Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. It's the hobby freaking hustle. Stand up. Well, you probably can't stand up. You're probably on your couch feeling fat and full, listening to Stacking Slabs on a Black Friday, maybe on your computer making some deals. Are there any Black Friday sports card deals? I don't know. If you're listening to this, slide in my DMs and let me know. Who man, I'm feeling full. I know that still from Thanksgiving. I, I'm just anticipating that. Um, hopefully we got a good day of football um, on Thursday as I record this. I always look forward to the, the games. But man, it's amazing how quickly this year is going. But I just got to say, I'm really excited about this conversation that I'm going to share with you. Before I do that, mention this on the Wednesday episode. Go sign up for Starstock. Go check out their website if you haven't been there in a while. They're making some awesome updates on their site. They're providing value. They're innovating. I just love what they're doing. Sign up, make your first deposit, use code stacking slabs. You're not going to get a $5 deposit in your account. You're going to get a $10 on the house, baby, just because you're a listener of Stacking Slabs. So make sure you go check out starstock.com. Check out their website. Like if you're thinking about signing up or whatever, no one's going to force you, but just check out what they're doing. It's really cool, especially um, before NBA season kicks off. I'm really excited about partnering with them. Promo code stacking slabs. Conversation today. Really, really fun. I got a chance last week to spend a whole afternoon with the uh, Luca Nation, Luca, Tiger, LeBron, Cage, Andrew. It was fu- so much fun. And I sat down and they they created their pot around the same time as me. So we've been in the game about the same time and I respect what they do. And I've been on their pod and I was on their pod that last week. And now they're on our stacking slabs, hobby hustle, having a conversation. So Two really, really good dudes in the hobby. Two dudes that have their heart in the right place. I really enjoy their stuff. Make sure if you're not aware, which hope you are, but go hit the subscribe button. They're putting out content daily. It's incredible. So I really enjoy chopping it up with with them. I think it makes for a really good Black Friday episode. So everyone sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. What's up, everyone? Hobby Hustle. We are back. If you're listening to this, it is Black Friday and your stomach is probably really full if you're celebrating Thanksgiving. I know I am. One of my favorite holidays, a lot of football, family time, a lot of turkey, a lot of sides, more sides. Uh, But I appreciate everyone being on here. These are my favorite episodes of the week, and I'm really excited for this one because I get to talk to some hobby podcast brethren. So I've got my man Andrew and Cage here from the Luca, Luca Tiger LeBron show. Fellas, how are you doing? Go ahead, man. You can give me age before beauty and make me talk first. So come on. I, I'm, I'm, I know what you're, I know your game. Uh, we're, do, we're doing good, man. Andrew, say hi. Stop hiding. Bless, man. I'm really excited. <laughs> Dude, I'm giving you the mic. You're going to yeah. do most of the talking. You know, that's, da- you know that's a dangerous great. thing. It's a dangerous <laughs> thing. It's Brett's show, man. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be quiet every now and again. <laughs> they, they 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 told me that this is the first time that they both have been on a guest on a podcast together. So I told them I have the job of trying to help facilitate the conversation, but we're going to have a good time. I know just in listening, watching you guys on Instagram and all that you're doing, all the guests you're bringing on, you're creating content and you're 
giving back to the hobby at a very high clip. I know you started around the same time um, as I did. So we're kind of, we're new to the game, but it seems like we've been here forever in a weird way. Um, how has just this year and the show gone and been for, for you? What's, what's been, uh, it looks like you guys are having fun. What, what, what kind of feedback do you have? I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. First thing the audience should know is Cage and I are not going to agree on most things or some things here today. Or and anything. that's okay. Or I anything. <laughs> I, and I think that's been the, the one consensus point that we've gotten from our audience that people like it's that they like the friction they like the uh the disagreements or the different takes that we've had uh, i'm a big fan of yours brett you kind of you know i'm a 90s kid i grew up i was born in 89 but i'm a 90s kid you kind of have this nice crossover between like a rock and roller podcast sports guy right and i think that's kind of cool so i'm a big fan of yours from a distance uh, this year's been amazing i made more friends this year than i've had in previous years uh, my business network has grown. The hobby has grown. I mean, just the relationships have been uh, amazing. And I made some money. I put some money in my pocket too. So hopefully I, our podcast is able to help some people, serve some people, put money in their pockets uh, around the holidays. It's a big deal. So it's just the beginning though. I feel like we're just scraping the surface and uh, there's a lot of work to be done as well. What about you, Cage? So how's this year been? So this year has been 2020, right? Just like Buster told us, hey, what do you, what's 10 years look like from now? It looks like 2030, right? So it's 2020, but this has been an, an amazingly odd year, 2020. But, you know, there's been like every cloud has a silver lining type of thing, right? So, so there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's come out of 2020. And, you know, we're all kind of stuck home. We're stuck in front of our TVs. We're stuck in front of our computers. We're not able to do the things out and about that we're able to do. We're not able to... um you know, have that interaction, that social circle with, you know, the people that we otherwise would share that with, go to card shows, that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll tell you, any other year, I don't know whether or not this would have happened and this being, you know, the podcast for us, I I'll be honest with you, you know, I'll drop a couple of fun little nuggets. You guys can make fun of me, call me old man. I don't think I ever listened to a podcast before Andrew did our pilot. Um, I don't know what it was. You know, he talked me into it. He told me what it was. He told me what we were going to do. I mean, this is all his brainchild. And that's a 2020 thing. You know, that's a it's for me, I wouldn't have been doing this, you know, I mean, there's a lot more downtime, you know, there's a lot more commute time now, and there's a lot more fun, but, but I mean, you know, the hobby is kind of a microcosm of that as well, right? I mean, we, we're, we're seeing a lot more growth online, a lot more content, a lot more podcasts, a lot more side businesses, a lot more, you know, people grading things for people, a lot more, you know, it's amazing to see that because, you know, out of the garbage that 2020 really is, you get all this cool stuff out there. It's really changed, really allowed the hobby to grow. And, it's cool to watch that. And I'll, I'll give you an exclusive because we love you, man. We're an exclusive here. This is what 2020 does. I'll tell our audience and yours because they don't know this, but you know, Andrew and I, it's fun banter. It's the back and forth. You know, we're like the odd couple, right? It's like Felix and Oscar. And we've gotten that from our audience, but you know, the two of us have never been in the same room, never once physically in the same room. Crazy, right? Uh, yeah. we, we met, we're a 2020 odd couple, right? We met online. You know, we've, we've met, we were, we were in similar Instagram groups and just said, you know what, let's, uh, let's run this thing. You know, let's, let, let, let's, let's roll the dice and see if it works. And, uh, you know, 140 episodes almost later in four months. And uh, I, I think we're onto something, but it's funny because that is what, what is more 2020 than that? I mean, here's my, my, my business partner and I literally have never physically been in the same room as him, which is pretty crazy, right? That's incredible. And you actually uh, stole my thunder because <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> the origin story of the podcast and how it got started. 
So I'd, I'd love to learn more about that, like the early conversations, who was the initiator? How did that go? Um, who did the pitching? Talk to me about that. I don't even know if I remember. We're quick starts. We're quick starts. We're not, um, you know, the big thing I'm seeing in people, and I'm going to get a little heady here, but that's what I do. Like, we're scared of something. We have all these dreams, but for some reason, our fears kind of block them. With Cage and I, it was just a quick start. We messaged, we were, we're in this OGDM group uh, that we've been in together for two years now or a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. I think just overnight, like three of the group members started podcasts and then Cage and I were like, let's start one too. And the yeah. next day we just, we scheduled a time and showed up and that episode is out there. Uh, episode one. Uh, and I think we're, Jordan's putting together some clips as well. You know, we just sat down on Zoom and started talking sports cards, recorded it and put the first episode out. So I just think that that's, is really our, that's it. our personality. That's the origin story, really. We were in an Instagram group together, like so many people listening to this are. Like we've started our own uh, as well, you know, and, and people meet there. It's the hobby meetup, right? It's, you know, that's that's where like-minded or <laughs> not so like-minded people meet. They discuss cards, you know, they, they have their own opinions. And, and yeah, that's really what it was. It was, you know, we, we were in, a, we were in a, a group chat on Instagram, 30 guys. Um, and a couple of them were starting to talk about, uh, you know, doing a podcast. and. Um, I think the card talk guys, right? I mean, if we're gonna drop yeah. another one, we're all kind of in the same the same sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, the card talk guys are in the group. heroes. Heroes and started heroes, the same heroes, the same heroes. Time. So there are a bunch of guys all in the same group. We should have named it the podcast starting group or something. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I remember asking like, "What the hell is a podcast?" And like four guys in the group were all like, "Hey, you would be great at a podcast. Like, you should be on there." People, were, you know, because I always had a very different opinion in the group than everyone else. It was like 29 guys swimming one way. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm going to go this way. And, uh, and you know, Andrew saw that and messaged me. He's like, let's do a podcast. Like, if you actually want to do this, let's do it. Like, I'll do it. And I, he sent me a Zoom and literally the rest is history. We, we That Zoom uncut was like, he's like, we'll put yep. this up. We'll see if people listen. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and believe it or not, like, I know we're all virtual these days. You could pick up vibes virtually. And, and I'll tell you, Cage talks, he's got a big mouth, he's got opinions, <laughs> but he's a giver through and through. Like, and I picked that up and I knew that from the podcast. For example, when cards are exploding, for example, the Trey Young cards, when they're popping off, people are asking about them in different groups. And Cage is always willing to give people amazing deals. And he did that throughout the hobby. He did that throughout that DM group. So I noticed that, I picked up on that. And I'd like to think that, you know, I, I want to serve people. I want to provide information and value that helps people. And from a distance, and it, it's been true to this day, Cage always leads with value. He always wants to make deals that are mutually beneficial. Uh, and I picked that up from a distance. So it's not a surprise to me that we were a good fit. He's always I, telling couple, me, leave some meat on the bone. There. That's what he's always telling me. <laughs> a, a couple things just to uh, react to on that. I think one, creating content, starting a podcast, it's easier than ever. So like feedback to the audience, if you got something to talk about and it's on your mind, like go for it. Like that, I, we both are in the similar boats of we just did it, right? You just got to go do it and be consistent with it. The second thing is, is just the communication channels we all have, Instagram groups, DMs. It's amazing what just group chats, regular commenting, those types of interactions can do. They can bring you together and you can start a podcast with someone. So like, I always try to tell people that listen to Stacking Slabs, it's just like, use the channels, be proactive because you're going to meet friends. I've met friends through Instagram and the hobby that I have never been in the same room with this year, but hell, I hope I'll be at the national and get together because I consider some of these people just do all the interactions from 
really good friends. What's the deal? Why do people go to uh, card shows and mark up prices higher than eBay? That's what I keep hearing. People sell uh, at comps that are higher than eBay at card shows. Bro, it's the same thing as like, you know, people putting their card on eBay that with a buy it now that's, you know, way above market with, you know, no make me an offer price. People just like, I don't get it. They just want people to know that they have those cards and they won't put a price on it because they want someone to go at them and give them a price and start the negotiation. That's a pet peeve of mine. If you're going to sell something like you got to put the price on it, it's your card. Don't wait for someone to come to you and and offer you something. That's that's my perspective. What about you? Um, we're hearing that there's been some, you know, in case you, you maybe you know this better, like five, six figure deals for cards were kind of rare to come by even just a few years ago, right? Yep. I, I had a few friends that we've met through uh, through our channels that came back from the Dallas show and they were surprised at how many big cards were either traded or sold at that show, like for five, six figures, which is crazy. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, but I will tell you, we, we've talked to quite a few people. We both feel uh, the hobby's still in its kind of early days, maybe middle. But uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of growth yet to come. Yeah, Definitely. I think, I think on the on my reaction just to the Dallas show because I'm sure you've chatted with tons of people who were there. I have too. It sounds like the 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 this people who went to the Dallas show that I interacted with went with a strategy. And the strategy was I have a bunch of cards that I'm going to bring to the Dallas show that I can sell because all of these people are going to, I have a bunch of buyers in here. I'm going to sell these cards. I'm going to get capital. And then I'm going to go buy big boy cards that I wouldn't normally be able to do. I, I could do online, but it might take me longer. So it sounds like a lot of people were consolidating to get that LeBron rookie card that they they wanted, but might might have not had the capital uh, to to just go out and buy it on eBay. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. That kind of mirrors what we heard, which is great. Also, you know, it's a lot of like pent up. You know, people been people were waiting for a card show like that. I mean, the Dallas show is the Dallas show. I mean, it's not the East Coast National, it's not the National, it's not. It has never been thought of as like you know one of the big shows. But this past one was a lot of talk about it and a lot of people there. Right? I mean, I was actually considering going. I told Andrew he should fly there. I was like, we should go, man. But, you know, that's, I mean, it's a, that's a good thing. And then Andrew likes to say, you know, first quarter, second quarter. The fun thing is, and I don't want to take the, the, the conversation, you know, the, the next direction, but well, we, do a, we do a Sunday NFL preview show. And Andrew's always preaching to me about the coach, the coach, the coach, the coach makes a big deal, you name it. And halftime adjustments are the key, right? So we've been saying for the better part of four months now that the, the hobby now is in the first or second quarter, early second quarter. I can't wait for those halftime adjustments, right? I can't wait to see what people do now that they've gotten, you know, there are people in the hobby and there are people joining the hobby every day, but a lot of people we talk to, a lot of people we deal with, they've been in the hobby now for the better part of a year or two years. And they've seen the madness of Topps Project 2020 bubble. And they've seen the the boom in basketball vintage and that kind of fallback. They've seen football vintage be kind of pumped. They've seen Pokemon you know, kind of bit pumped and, and they're actually able to see what's going on with these products now and stuff. So I'm curious to see how that, you know, second half, how that halftime adjustment is on, on cards going forward. So that's what makes this fun. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I think what, what is your, what is both your perspectives on just COVID and the role COVID plays in sports cards? I think obviously when every, on the initial wave, when everyone, you know, stuck in their homes, the prices went up, the market was crazier than ever. I still like my moment that I still think of when I'm just think of 
wow, this stuff was batshit crazy. Yep. When that Gary Trent Jr. PSA 10 Silver Prism card was just selling for 500 bucks a pop because the guy was just stroking threes in the bubble. And I was like, man, that is wild that like that was happening. And then there was a little bit of a pullback in August. Maybe NFL football cards didn't transact at the level that people like me and maybe some others thought they were. But NBA is coming back and maybe we're about to hit that second wave again. What What is your perspective on just like COVID in mm. impact Be on careful. just... Be careful. Andrew, he's asking your, your thoughts on COVID vis-a-vis sports cards. Okay? So that's... A- so I got to make sure we ask him a very specific question. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. So, so I was talking to my buddy about this. He's uh, He was asking the same question. I think COVID is uh, gasoline on an already pretty big fire. Uh, and I think that actually what was the two biggest factors, and there's a third, but the two biggest factors, I think a lot of the guys that are collecting now were 80s and 90s babies. They grew up in sports. They've used to getting into cards. And now they're getting either collecting on their own, or they're getting back into it with their kids. I think social media is also a big deal. Uh, Back in the 90s, you didn't have any way to show off which cards you bought. Now you see every time you pick up a card, you post it. Well, you have followers. Those followers see that card, and then they want to go and buy another card. So there's this uh, kind of virtual kind of competition. And I think that did really, really, really well for sports cards. And lastly, liquidity with Robinhood, with Bitcoin, with stocks, with PayPal, we're used to online, dealing with online money. That wasn't the case even 10 years ago. Uh, And with online money, you know that you could buy a Luca Prism. And if you needed that cash in a pinch, you could get that money in your PayPal in seconds. So you're not really buying a card, you're just shifting money around. Uh, And today's generation is really, really used to that because we move money into Robinhood, out of Robinhood, into, uh, into PayPal, out of it. So I think it's actually a culmination of factors. And then $600 a week, people staying at home. That's just kind of gasoline on a fire that was already built and uh, brewing the last two, three years. That's my take. I love it. I got two good things and one bad for the hobby. This is all COVID perspective. And that's piggybacking on, on what Andrew said. Actually, both of the good things come from him. So one is the flex, the show off. So I'm an old man. And Instagram, I started Instagram to get in that group. Gary V actually asked me after I sold him some cards, mm-hmm. go and join Instagram and then get in a group with me. So I got, I can honestly say I, I joined Instagram. I, I, I downloaded the Instagram app because Gary V told me to, and that's not a lie. Right. So, um, you know, loads, loads of fun. Right. So I'm not one of these guys that's on Facebook. I don't like show off stuff because that's just not what we did. Right. But I look at Instagram yep. now and not only are people showing off their awesome cards, but they're showing them off with a waterfall in the background. They're showing them off with the pool. They're showing them off with all this, you know, fancy stuff. I'm holding my Charizard in front of my car. Somebody's doing a TikTok dance, and they're they're dancing with cards. I mean, it's just it's so so that that part of it, that flex, that show off, that you know that that community that's online is something very different than any other time we've had the hobby boom. And I think it will help it grow and stay. And that's why I'm not really concerned bubble wise. You know, I went through the junk gear. I collected a junk gear. I got a basement full of junk gear of cards that I don't know what to do with. One day I'll buy a bird and the cages will be fine and pristine clean because I'll line the bird cage with them. But that's number one. Number two, and this is a total, like, I don't remember what episode it was, Andrew. You can go find it for these guys in the seventies. But at the time I was just more concerned about my play. It was, I gave these guys a great $10 card, go out and buy as many as you can. But Andrew talked about the micro versus macro and the different types of investors that are coming in now in the hobby, 
right? And there's the me who is buying stuff and 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 trying to have a cool collection and open some stuff with my son. And then there are the people out there who are buying the multi-million dollar Giannis logo man, that buying the LeBron, you name it. And this year, during COVID, there are more what Andrew called institutional money coming into this hobby. They're buying differently. They're buying sets. They're buying the the Pokemon set. You you know they're buying these high end cards to have it as like an alternate investment vehicle. You know this is like an ETF, and you know that will bolster cards as well because it it's being viewed as a commodity. It's you know these cards, especially the high end ones, they're being viewed as something that's tradable. Um, so you know that's just stuff that was never there before. And I mean, we, we know a half dozen people that are starting multi-million dollar funds of cards, you know, as if you would do a stock fund. So that's the two good things for the hobby. If you're if you're listening to Brett's podcast now and you got into this in the last year and and you have that same worry that I personally have every night when I go to bed, and that's I have so much of my money locked up in sports cards. You know, is this sustainable? Are my cards gonna blow up? Is this a bubble? You know, is every one of my cards gonna turn into a tops project 2020 card? Um, the answer is no, because Look at the the empirical evidence that's out there, right? Look at all the people who are doing. Look at all the the big money that's flowing into it, the institutional money, as Andrew liked to call it. So here's my caveat: something that does need to be fixed, right? Brett told you I was going to talk a lot. So here's the caveat: the one thing that needs to be fixed, right? What we learned from Project 2020 and what we've seen going on is the liquidity that Andrew talked about. The, the that we're used to moving money in PayPal, you name it, the whole nine yards. What's look, my kid? He likes to be in the background there. It's amazing. So, so, so he's a young star. Yeah, he's fun, <laughs> man. He's fun. So, we got the uh, the liquidity there right now. The biggest vehicle for trading sports cards, and I'm going to use it trading sports cards, right? The way you would trade a stock, you know, the Luca PSA 10 base prism is a stock, right? And we trade it, but the way to trade it, it's not on Robinhood, it's not on you know, any of these other you know, trading platforms, it's eBay, and there are other ways to do it, and I think they're. Those other ways will gain ground, but right now it's on eBay. And here is the biggest difference. We've seen an influx of fantasy sports players, gamblers that come into cards. Cards have become another way to gamble on your guy, as Lefko told us on the show, right? You know, it, and Gary Trent, your example is a perfect, perfect example of this, right? Because in order to make the card thing sustainable, you have to see Gary Trent go up in the bubble and be able to sell that card and know I sold it and it's gone. Right. And and the buyer has to be able to stand by. I bought it. And if Gary Trent starts to suck the next game, that buyer is not turning around and saying, mm, you know what? There's a scratch on the PSA slab. Right. There's a, it's exactly what happened with Project 2020. And it's part of why the bubble kind of kind of burst. And I had it myself. We did a whole eBay episode about one of these fools yes, we did. A card from me. You know, right after a guy in the NFL who bought a, you know, he had a great game and he just didn't have a great game. And then on the 29th day, I want to return it. So, so, so that's one of those things that is an issue with the hobby, right? And and we see a lot more people making deals on Instagram, on Twitter, you name it. That is the one thing that fantasy sports and sports betting don't have. You place a bet, you pay yep. it. You know, you pay that bet. Mm. You, you you pick your fantasy lineup. It's locked and your money's out the door. You can't call up FanDuel or DraftKings and say, you know what? I didn't really mean to put Drew Brees in my lineup. Uh, Try. Know, he, it's not going to work. I've called five times before. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know? they'll, they'll, so, they'll, they'll put you on with Tony. 
So, I mean, this is just old man look, right? Because, I mean, it has happened to me. It's probably happened to a lot of people out there. You know, community has to be a little better than that for it to grow into what people are talking about this becoming the sports betting or the fantasy sports, right? And that is the one thing that can derail that. So, there's the that, that's my 2020. That's my COVID. That's my state of the hobby. I love it. I love it. And I think one thing I'd love to get both your reactions to, because there's a lot that you both said that I think kind of triggered this thought in my head is that I view the sports card market and the way I'm operating in it as two separate games. One of the games is getting in front of buying players, getting the cards graded or not, but getting the cards graded for a greater return and selling those, those cards. Um, I, I think about an instance where I had four prospects going into the NFL season one was Marquise Brown, one was Marlon Mack, one was Kenyon Drake, and the other was DK Metcalf. Okay, so got all the cards graded for all of them. Obviously, only one of those guys hit. His name's DK Metcalf, and he hit in a big way. And so yeah. I've, I've been selling DK Metcalf at a very high clip for the past several weeks because I got those cards graded. I don't have any attachment to DK Metcalf outside of I like watching him play, but I don't want to collect him. I'd rather sell him, get those returns, and then go put that money into players that I love, like uh, Peyton Manning, and go put my money in limited, scarce Peyton Manning cards. Mm -hmm. So playing the game of getting in front of guys that you think are undervalued and then selling them at the time where they're performing and knowing you're not going to hit everyone, but all you need is maybe just one if you don't extend yourself too much, and then taking that money and playing the game of, all right, how can I get a rare card of someone that I have an appreciation for at the right time before he goes into the Hall of Fame? And I know we talked about that last time, but that that's kind of the the two separate games I'm playing. I don't know, based on just your perspective of how you're operating in the hobby, if that resonates, if you have any reaction, um, what are your thoughts on just that approach to the sports card market right now? How much were you buying DK for? When he, he was his last year's rookie, right? Like a dollar, two bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cheap. Here's here's a good example. So I bought the most expensive DK Metcalf card I bought was I bought for fifty five dollars. I bought a raw prism DK Metcalf autograph. I sent it to uh, PSA. I got it back three weeks ago and um, got PSA 10. There's population eight. I put it on um, eBay this week, and I do this. I did. The, I do this just because I like margins are important to me, but it's also like the learning experience. I'll either do a three day or a one day. Um, mm-hmm. I did a one day auction on him and ended up. I think the auction ended at like wow, a playing over with seven. fire, bro, dude. Yeah, man. Like, I, it. The money is important, but the learnings are even more important to me. Like, I don't chase peaks. I'm not going to do. Yeah, testing and testing. and. And and I knew I bought that card for $55 and, you know, within, you know, three hours of the auction going up, I look at eBay and it's at $427. I know I'm, I'm, I'm in the green. So that, yes, like DK I hit on, but like, and when you get those cards back in those grades, it's like, this, that's the fun to me. It's selling and knowing that I'm going to three X, four X, five X, maybe seven X a card and take those monies and go put them in cards that I really want. So it doesn't always happen, but I think thinking about it four steps ahead of the rest of the market is where I found the most success. 
Let me ask you, and then Andrew, you could jump in on this, right? Because maybe maybe it'll help somebody out there who's listening, right? So here's what I struggle with. And Andrew's trying to fix this for me, right? This is my problem as my hobby journey, right? And you know, he's got me lighting candles, burning incense. I've tried kombucha. Mm-hmm. I spit it out every single time. <laughs> I uh, hate it too. Not for you. you know, I mean, it's a joke. Diet, Diet Coke. It's it, man. It's Diet Coke. It's Diet Coke with nothing. But so, so, so here's my deal, right? So tell me how I don't beat myself up for not squeezing every dollar out of a transaction. You just said something that it, it almost like it almost hurt me to the core. And you were like, I put it up for one day. And you know, I know I paid 50 bucks for it. It's at 400 bucks. And, and all I'm thinking to myself is, why wouldn't he do a seven day and then publicize it? And why wouldn't he get as many eyeballs on it as he can and get as much money as he can and wait, sell it and have it listed to end? The you know halftime of the Thursday night game where they're playing against Kyler Murray and DK is going to have a great. I, I'm like, oh, squeeze every dollar. How do you not worry like that? How do you just say, all right, well, I'll get whatever I can. If it's ninety percent, it's ninety percent. And just to, to layer on it, I sold and I told our audience I, was, I sold a couple of Trey Young silvers this past week, right? And literally, I sold. Let's just say I sold on average twenty two fifty which was higher than any sale price on eBay at the time, right? It was a couple bucks higher. And I'm doing friends and family, like, you know, like these are guys I know and they want to get it for FOMO or whatever it is and they want to resell them. So it's $2,250. I literally sell them. I ship them the day after I put it in the mail. I see them on eBay selling for $2,900, $3,000. And I'm like, what did I do? I got thousands of dollars on the table. Like, how do I not think that way? But obviously you don't. So, so mine is, I don't think about transactions one-to-one it's usually in a group in a bulk because i'm trying to move stuff so i can get money and put it in a card that is way outside my price range and i know it's only going to be there for a short amount of time so like the 200 300 missed doesn't it doesn't impact me as much because it's usually like 20 cards i'm moving um so the the volume games there but i will to your dk point i did hold back a, a hollow optic hollow psa 10 and I put it off to end at halftime of yesterday's game and DK hit the uh, touchdown and right. I popped out of my chair and got the excitement out of that. I, I, this is one thing I don't know. I don't know the impact of the in-game trading in the NFL right now. Like I've had it work. I've had it not. So I'm like not sold on it, but like to answer your question, like I, I, I move cards in bulk and I don't really, I, I try not to live and die by like, $100, $200 margins. Cause my end goal typically is getting a card that I think long-term is going to increase in value, uh, volume value over like a guy like DK Metcalf, who is a phenomenal player, right. but still very much unproven in the big picture. Do you move them all in mass or do you hold some back? Cause that's the second part of my question, right? So like, let's just say hypothetically wink, I had 10 Trey silvers. I'll sell four and keep six. Because I think they might go up to three or four grand. And I, as do you, when you say you talk about selling Musk, because that, that's hard for me to do. That is, I have to thank Andrew for that because previously I have to be done with a guy for me to move any of it. I'm like, I'm insane. Like I have, I don't really talk about the cards I have. I have a lot of cards, but it's, it's, it's when I, when I say, all right, now's time. Now, now's like clear out time. It's like, I got 10 Trey Silvers. I got a red, I got a purple, I got a whatever. You're all gone. The optic hollows, it's gone. If I'm ready, if I've made that mental, like, okay, I'm ready to sell, I sell them all. And I haven't done that this week. That's, thank you, Andrew. So what do you do? When you say you sell them all, you sell them all, like it's all DK gone and you move on to the next guy? All my, all my DK is gone for now. So yeah, I, but, but then I'm staring right now at a stack of 20 
slabs of Marquise Brown. And he's just not in a position to sell because the Ravens offense looks mm. completely different than last year. And it's like, but I still think you mean Lamar like, can't hit water. if he fell off the <laughs> yeah. boat, Right. You mean Lamar is just wildly inaccurate. Yeah. Well, so what, what do you, th- I love, cause I know you guys cover sports a lot outside mm-hmm. of just sports cards. What, What's been the talk on on your channel just about and and again like with the Ravens like hell of a defense still a very solid team great head coach like I would say could make a run if they turn it around but like what's your perspective on what's happening uh, with Baltimore and their offense I know Lamar's card prices are just falling every minute um, but what what have you guys been talking about with the Ravens I don't talk about the Ravens I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Philly fan listen I'll um, tell you from an analysis perspective. I love their defense. I don't think, I don't think he's very good. I don't think there's been any running quarterback that's ever been. What was that face cage? Like you're right. I I would say defenses, defenses, figure them out. Defenses, figure it out. Like for example, with Kyler, you see how many passes he gets bat down at the line of scrimmage over time. Defenses study enough film that they know, okay, if we just do this, this, and this, we're going to play to Kyler's weakness. Okay. And let's see if he can beat us. I think they figured out Lamar's weaknesses and they see, okay, prove to us that using your weaknesses, you could beat us. Uh, and I don't think that Lamar has adjusted well enough to do that. I think it's all about adjustments, right? Football's chess. Like when Lamar came in, no one was game planning for him. So he could, and they could play to their strengths, running, scrambling out, throwing on the run. Okay, year two. Now they figured him out a little bit. Now he has to adjust. I remember Kobe talked about this, right? Like, how he would always have a counter move for their defense. So if they defended him like this, he had to move for this. And I think that's a big deal. I think that's what separates one and two year stars to Phenom. I think that's what makes Tom Brady really, really special. You have to adjust. So that's where I'd look at it from. I love the answer. And it's a sports card podcast, right? So I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's great. But you can... You great. Can- you can compete as man. He won the MVP. I mean, it's, it, NFL MVP is a big thing, right? And yes, a lot of it's his team, but what he did that year and what, what he does on the football field, there are not many people, if any, who were able to do that. But here's the deal, right? Is a Luca Silver a great card? Yeah, it is. Luca Silver PSA 10 is a great card. A lot of people want to have it in their collection. But a Luca National Treasure RPA is a better one, right? So right now, I will tell you that I'll make a card comparison for you because it's a, it's a card talk. <laughs> it's a card pod here, right? So Lamar Jackson was a, was a prism. Maybe a prism silver, maybe a prism green if you want to do it, right? It's a prism silver, right? Last year, year before, you know, Mahomes won his MVP. Mahomes was a was a was a Luca Prism Silver PSA 10. Great card. But after winning the MVP, being sustainable, winning a Super Bowl, adding to his resume, doing what he's doing year in and year out and being a traditional type of quarterback, he's now moved into the RPA territory. All right. He might not be the the full-on RPA that like somebody like Brady is, somebody who's a GOAT. But he's definitely not a risky play anymore. He's not somebody that's that silver PSA 10, which is basically an unnumbered base card. Lamar is still there, right? Mm-hmm. Kyla Murray's there. Kyla Murray, you could see is maybe he's a prism base, right? Maybe moving towards the silver as he continues to do well. It's the same type of thing, right? And, and people have to realize that those running quarterbacks, the athletic quarterbacks, they're not going to have the shelf life that one of those longer term play is going to have, right? Because the game, the defense, everything's going to catch up with them. And ultimately, he's going to get a step slower. And defenses are going to get a step smarter. They're going to start scheming for him. You saw what uh, what Seattle's defense, who couldn't stop anybody, 
with they crazy, did. crazy. Yeah, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's all the scheme, right? And they blitz. They blitz Sometimes I think the NFL is rigged. Like, how do they <laughs> only throw to DeAndre four times? Spoken like a true better. Was four, right? Well, I, I, no action. I'm, I've been so good. At, no action last night. But no I, I was looking at and DeAndre had three targets, one catch. How does that even make any sense? They, they could have thrown to him all night. They didn't double team him. They didn't even they, they didn't even cover him. They gave him such a cushion. Brett Listen, knows he loves Kyler. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it's they my, blitz the hell out of him. They blitz the hell out of him. I think too. It's like man, like Kingsbury's one of those play callers where he's just so phenomenal that sometimes I think he just tries to get a little too cute. And when it's like just throw the just call the play for Hopkins and. I was thinking the same thing last night, and I think Seattle did a hell of a job um, just with their blitz packaging. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, was he was on best. skates the whole night. He was on skates the whole night, and you know, it's but but the, the the point is still there, right? These young running mobile quarterbacks, they don't. I mean, they don't. There is it. There's a track record of these guys, right? There's a, I mean, the Cam Newton. I made this comparison to Cam Newton. You know, he's obviously a bigger guy, but look at the stats he had when he won the MVP a couple of years back. It's similar to, and, and you know what? He's going to get dinged. Somebody's going to take a shot at him. He's going to break a rib. You know, look at RG3. I mean, there is a there is a you know a model for these guys, and they are great and they're amazing when they come out and they play a couple years at a, at such a high clip. But the league catches them. You know, yeah. The thing with those players are, and they captivate and they create moments, and those moments matter. They matter to Instagram. They matter to people watching who are casual fans. And I think people get wrapped up in these moments and they translate these moments into sports card purchases, right? Where yep. people want a piece of these players who are human highlight films on the field. And I think that's a tough part about, like, I'm heavily invested in Kyler because I'm a Kyler truther. I believe in him long-term um, based on a lot of different factors. But like to, to Andrew's point, like teams could have, film on him and then he comes out next year and can't do anything. So I think it is a risky play, but you know, not the other side of it too is like, shit, not everyone's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, not everyone's like a generational talent. So I think when buying football cards, especially it's very, very, it's a risky game and you got to get out when you can. What do you think about position? I want to ask, what do you think? Can we stay on Kyler real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. ahead. Uh, A quick question. I know we'll talk positional. As a Kyler investor, I want to hear what you would think about this, right? So I don't know how you evaluate his season, but the be- in preseason, right, as the season was coming up, his cards, his prison PSA 10 was around 1000 bucks. In my opinion, Kyler has exceeded or at least met expectations this year. And that card has fallen by half. That to me is fascinating, right? If you think about it, he's one of the, not, I don't know if he's a front runner for MVP. Is he in the MVP race? That's debatable. In discussion. He's in the discussion. He's met expectation and his card has had as a Kyler investor. How do you make sense of that? And then we'll talk positional players. Sorry yes. to hijack age. No, no, that's a good mm-hmm. question. So I think this happened with a lot of players where the peak of a lot of players prices were prior to kickoff even happening. And I think it's the hype with sports cards. Everyone wanted these players cards before they actually step on the field and show what they can or can't do. Um, but the funny thing is, is like there was the hype with the season kicking off, but then basketball ending when it did. And then the market in August was pulling back in general. So there was a multitude of factors where I think now you're starting to see like the cream rise to the top in terms of prices. 
um, you know, cards are the players like DK, even Kyler uh, Mahomes has been steady. Cards are beginning to tick back up on the football side. I think I was talking, I was talking about this. Um, it was Chris from house of Jordans. Um, we were talking about, um, football and basketball. Yeah. What's up, Chris being, uh, football and basketball being on at the same time and happening. And I think basketball coming back in December will only help football cards and football card prices. That's my take. I agree. Basketball is an everyday sport. Basketball is really something that keeps people active and engaged in the hobby. That Monday through Wednesday, it's very tough, man. No other sports. What do you even do? Yeah, no, I'm with you. The the delay in between games definitely hurts um, the NFL, but position players, Man, I'll tell you what, this is one of the things, and this is having some hobby humility that, man, I, I definitely overextended myself and got wrong. And I got it wrong because I got so wrapped up in how people buying freaking Gary Trent Jr. for $500. And I was like, if people are buying Gary Trent Jr. for $500, like, why wouldn't they be buying, you know, T.Y. Hilton for, you know, $300, $400? Like, so, like, I thought that was a big bet I took. And it hasn't played out. And I think it's pullback in market. I think it's realizing what all the longtime football player collectors were saying, where these guys are so dependent on their quarterbacks. But I do think like you see DK and DK, the market loves this guy because he chased down Buda Baker and made that tackle. It looks like a freaking NFL blitz every time he scores a touchdown. So I think there are (laughs) players that have been going up like a DK Metcalf, but just around the league, it certainly hasn't taken off how, as how I expected it. How about Russ Wilson's throw yesterday? Sidearm off DK's face mask. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Luckily, his auction price uh, ended before that one. He, he timed his <laughs> auction perfectly. Yeah. Got the big touchdown yeah, play. And arm, then I think that shows Russ's arm strength, frankly. That DK couldn't even wrap his head around on it. It, was it almost got stuck in his face mask. Good and great, but here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up because I was gonna ask you about position players, but you brought up a great point about the preseason hype. So talk to me, right? Talk to the people out there who are stockpiling Trey Young, for example, right now. What's gonna stop that from doing the same thing that Kyler did? This was a point Andrew made last week on one of our one of our episodes, and I'd love to hear what you you know what your thought is on that. I mean, there are people now who are stockpiling basketball cards for the season. It's not just Tyler Hero. It's Devontae Graham. I'm not, I'm an equal opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. name caller outer. People are stockpiling these things. And what Andrew said is, is it, you know, why is that not going to be the Kyler Murray effect? I mean, you know, people people bought the hype in the beginning of the season, and then you know, halfway through, the guy is performing. I mean, he's really performing well. And his cards are down. So I, I think we might if if Pete and I haven't looked at I know from a distance and I'm not a tray collector, but I know just from social media that his card prices are definitely going up because a lot of people are talking about Trey mm-hmm. Young. And I think, you know, it, it could be something similar where in the immediate people are buying too high right now. But I think the thing about Trey Young is he's an all star and Trey Young is going to do what the hobby wants him to do and that score go out and score 50 points not a night the problem with him i think is just atlanta and they need to bring in a veteran to help balance that out i mean they drafted another front court guy they've got like <laughs> 20 front court guys like it's in their their team and it's like i don't know i would if i were buying trey young i would certainly wait for the season to start and those prices i think will go down 
Um, but I, I would buy Trey Young not for what he's doing in Atlanta. I would buy Trey Young for his future elsewhere. And I hate saying that if there's any Hawks fans listening, but it, the, the NBA, it's like none of these guys stay on a team for several years or contracts anymore. That's very rare. Like Trey Young keeps missing the playoffs in Atlanta. Trey Young's going to go want to play in Golden State or want to go play in LA. That's just how it works. So I, I think my, I would caution as long as they're not your cards, because I know you're selling some Trey Youngs right now. <laughs> I would caution buyers right now. If prices look a little funny, don't buy now. Just wait. Yeah, I think I'm let done selling you, them, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting well, thing. Well, let me ask you, Cage. You don't want to miss out on profit, right? You said, yep. okay. You know how we talk about uh, doubling down on stocks? Like, yep. for example, you buy a stock at $10, it goes to nine, you buy it again at nine. Now your break even is 950. Yep. Why don't we do the same thing with selling? So if you don't if you don't want to miss the profits, why don't you just sell, let's say, ten prism PSA ten Trey Youngs? You know, season six weeks away. Why don't you just sell two every week? It's a good good strategy. I'm actually considering it. Thank you. Look what you did, <laughs> Brett. Look what you did for the first time in 140 episodes. We're agreeing. It's great. I'll tell you why. Of course, I still get the feeling like I missed out. I think we all get that feeling, but I recenter it in what's my goal with why am I in the hobby. My dream, I'm a 20s entrepreneur, like I'm learning everything as I go. My dream and why I wanted to go in business for myself and not work behind a desk was I wanted freedom. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do what I want with my day. I wanted to work hard, but on my time. So when I'm in profit with a card, I always keep that in the back of my mind. I'm doing it not to win every single deal. I'm doing it to just have profit so I can live the life of my dreams and have true freedom. And you never go broke taking a profit. I'll tell you why I'm selling these. Ready for this? Because Brett put something out a week ago, maybe two days before I sold, and you mirrored it, Andrew. And this is, I mean, it's a great thing because I look at our audience statistics. I mean, I'm one of these lunatics that looks at the numbers all the time, how many people are listening yes, and what country do. they're from and 46 different countries yeah. across the, and you name it. Are you big in Australia? Are you big in Australia? We are. We're big in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Australia. Shout out Australia. Australia loves sports cards. <laughs> I got nothing but love for the Aussies. Yeah, we got UK, Australia. We got a lot of, we definitely have a lot of Australia I want to grow stuff. our female audience. That's what I care about. Totally. I mean, we're 3% Shocking. female. I want to get to 10 Shocking. to 15. That's well, listen, you started putting my video, three. you started putting my face out there. So the female audience <laughs> is going to grow, trust me. So, but here's the deal, right? So my thought on this, right, is um, you put out, it was one of those, you know, placards, one of those words where it was like, you know, if you're going to be selling, have a target, you know, like I'm paraphrasing it, right? But it was basically like, have, have something in mind, kind of like what you said, look, you're selling your DK Metcalf because you want to buy a Peyton Manning grail something. So that's what I did. I actually, I took that to heart, right? And, and if there's a little nugget that we can, you know, we can give to your audience from this, it's. This is something I've learned very recently, right? And it's, you take some of the sting out of selling your cards for maybe 10% less than what their peak is going to be next week. When you say, you know what, by selling that, I was able to move that money into X, which Mm -hmm. is something I've been chasing for a while. I was able to consolidate 10 of these cards into two of this one or one, you know, card that I would not have otherwise been able to buy if I didn't get the capital from the sale that I just made. So that actually struck a nerve with me. And and I'm going after with these Trey sales and a couple of other sales. Uh, a grail card for me um if i get it we'll see we'll uh you know we'll see how the bids go and i'll post it for you guys are you are you are you holding the information tight to your vest until you get the card um it's a uh well i think the auction will be done by the time you post this so it's uh uh that's why it's funny i asked about positional players it's an 86 jerry rice psa 10 whoo it's a nice card that's uh 
That's an, wait, PSA 10 too. What the, uh, what's look the at Andrew, look at Andrew. Ah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, He's only the greatest receiver ever. He's a pish posh. No one cares about Jerry Rice anymore. See this. And this is, this is fun when you drop that kind of coin on it. It's like, does anyone care about Jerry Rice? And you know, I mean, it's one of those, one of those things. Yeah. But I think there's I think 58 of them total of like 20 something thousand that yeah. have been graded. It's yeah, that's a that's a crazy card. Well, well, I hope I hope you get it. It's always nice to win a nice grail. I want to make sure that I had some questions come in because uh, I yeah, asked my audience. I said, "Hey, let me get some questions for these guys." And I actually uh, I got a great two part question, and it's for both of you individually. And it's for my new favorite card account, who's making waves in the hobby at Card Porn. Are you familiar with that Card Porn? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Cage's face. Clip yes. that moment. Clip yes. Cage's face. Meme. 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 Cage's face. Uh, when Brett says that. All right, card board. Here's a question. Wait, can okay. I guess what the question is? Because I didn't see these questions. Let me guess. Yeah. It's something about fake sleds. We love. We love. We love card. Uh, card porn. Just the name is awesome. The graphics <laughs> on his account is awesome. Go ahead, Esther. But but no. But I, you know what I love the most about the guy. He has tunnel vision like I've never seen before. And it Insane. is it is impressive. It's like my son. I take him to a fancy restaurant. He's like, where's the chicken nuggets shaped like a dinosaur? And I'm like, no, look, I get your steak. It's filet mignon. I get your lobster tail. He's like, where's the chicken nuggets shaped like a dinosaur? He wants to talk about nothing but chicken nuggets shaped like a dinosaur. If I don't get them, we're not going to eat them. Right, pal? Chicken nuggets. They like need to be crispy. Those, <laughs> those yeah. dinosaur chicken not nuggets, if you're going to make those, they need right. to be crispy. And but not like Brett, soggy ones, right? But so far. <laughs> At the card point, I got to give let, it to you, Brett man. You really let, go ahead. Let Brett ask his question because we don't okay. even know. He just said card point, and we ran, went on a rant. We don't even know the question. <laughs> shout out, shout! Here we go to everyone. Shout out to card porn because we had never talked about card porn before. But I just brought up card porn, and look at the reaction. That's someone who's doing something right on Instagram. So. Just tip Can I contextualize it for people real quick? Yeah, do it. People who are listening, they might have a different vision of what that account is. <laughs> it's actually the opposite of what the name is. As the hobby expands, wait, what about the question? Whatever word you want to use. One sec. <laughs> you need someone. You need someone to police. You need someone to make sure that there aren't any bad characters, whether that's grading companies, people, whatever. And I think of card porn as kind of the hobby police. Go ahead. So he'll answer your question before you even ask Brad. That's great. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. So this is to both of you. First to Cage, next to Andrew. Cage, if you could be Andrew for a day, what would he do? Andrew, if Andrew could be Cage for a day, what would you do? I would, I, for, for a day, I wouldn't change a thing. This guy got the life. He's got the life. And you know what's funny? It's a great question from Carborn because we are diametrically opposed. And every once in a while, you say you want to step out of your life, unzip yourself, and be the exact opposite of what you are. Um, this dude's up early. I want to sleep late. This dude, you know, he could he go where he wants, do what he wants. You know, he's you know one day in Mexico, the other day in Belgium, and wherever the hell he wants to go, he just up and go. He's a real free spirit. And I, you know, that time has passed if I ever even had it. So it would really be that's a great question. It would really be cool. Wake up one day in Mexico, go for a jog on the beach. You know, not worry about uh, not worry about anything, which is the way I view this guy. Although I know he worries about a ton of stuff, but I wouldn't do a damn thing different than what he does on his normal Tuesday, which is just be him and not have a care in the world. It's a great question because it's literally the exact opposite of my life. <laughs> great response. Ask the question again, Brett. So I make sure. Ask yeah, the question it, again it, so I make sure. I yeah, you could be cage for a day. What would you do? So how do I answer this? Be careful. I've always, <laughs> I've always wanted to be a father. 
I'm nervous about being a husband. That's something that I don't feel prepared for, but I'm really, really prepared to be a dad. So, and I'm from a distance jealous of Cage. His kids, Leah and Ian, are amazing. They're also diametrically opposite, but I would spend the full day with them. I would spend the day doing artistic, creative things with Leah, and I would be outside playing sports with Ian. But, but we'd be up with Ian at 6 a.m. and we'd train first, and we'd do sports stuff first. Because here's, here's a kid who's, I think, one of the biggest kids in his grade, strong, athletic, but he has Cage who's drinking diet soda with him all day. So we would train. We would train from 6 to 8 a.m. every day, and then we'd have a fun day. But, dude, being a dad is a, a blessing. His kids are amazing. You should see, like, Cage the card talk guy is cool, but Cage the father to me is so much more inspiring because you could tell a lot about a person by how his kids treat them, right? I think it's a big test. And he's able to toe the line of, hey, I'm their friend, but you also respect me and you do. We have rules in this house. We have standards in this house. He has amazing kids. It would be a blessing to spend a day with them. Thanks. I was going to quit this podcast I would, today because you know, he's go, a slave driver, but not that he said that. You wouldn't go to work. <laughs> I, would not go to work. <laughs> I would not go to work. I would not wear a suit. I would not go to the office. Yeah. Um, Anti-establishment. Too. I would do an improv class or a comedy show because he has a big personality that I don't think I have. And he's really a stand-up comic at heart. So <laughs> take that big body, big personality and come to the city and do an improv class. Oh, I forgot. I would totally, I would definitely play basketball if I was there different day because the kid can hoop mm-hmm. and I was never that good at basketball. So I would love to be able to get out on a court and actually, actually throw some baskets in because I can't Look do at that this. Now. Look at this on stacking slabs. You've got the odd couple coming together and complimenting each other. This yeah. Is what we're Look doing what you here. did. Look what you did. I want to, I know we got it. We got a. We got a roll here, but I've got one more question I want to throw out to you to close this out. And I got to throw this question out because it's my man, Jay Kinney. He's been a stacking slab supporter from day one. What is one moment in the past year that has brought you the most joy in the hobby? Cage, why don't you go first? And Andrew, why don't you close us out? Sure. I mean, I, 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 it's too many for one. Yesterday when we got that soda bottle from Preston Amato that said Luca Nation on it, it's, I mean, it's a, it sounds like a small thing. But, um, you know, I kind of messaged. I was like, you know, that made my year. And, you know, the, we universally got responses back from our listeners saying, that um you know we make every day for them with play the humor you know it's 20 minutes it's whatever it is and you know i'm still the easy answer andrew i apologize but you know that really is an amazing thing it was not what i thought i thought we'd be talking and you know whatever if somebody listened they listened but you know the community that we've built this year around this podcast and what it continues to grow literally every day more listeners and you know we're able to really interact with these guys you know i'd love to say make money uh, you know for these people as well i just got a text while we were talking from somebody who I convinced early this year to buy five Trey Young silvers at five hundred dollars each, and he just sold all five of them for almost fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. So that's a nice feeling too, because he's like, "Oh, thank you so much. This is life changing money for me and my family." That's a really cool thing. That's, awesome. that's what you know. Andrew also preaches about all the time. So you know, I mean, I don't want to bring it to money. Really, the community is a big thing, but being able to help that community out in that way is it really is why we do this. That's awesome. I was going to go heady, but I'll go, I'll go a little competitive. This is a side of me I don't think a lot of people see. So I, I was dead broke beginning of this year. Uh, I just moved out of New York City, lost my job. And I started January 1st buying Zion Prism, selling things around the house. Like I sold an old computer, sold bike. I, I just always had that knack of like buying and selling things, but it wasn't much. And I started buying Zion Prism. And I bought a Zion Prism Silver for five fifty. And my dad, my dad's a shit talker eastern european guys like what are you doing what are you wasting your time you're taking real estate classes why aren't you devoting more time to this 
And I was like, just you wait, dad. You're going to see I'm going to make more money this year from this. So stop talking shit. <laughs> and I was right. And I like it. I like my dad and I have that relation. I like sticking to them. I like being right. I like being right, but putting the hard work in it. So I usually, most of the audience members know me as heady, service, what Cage went with. And that really is the moment. But I, I'm not going to lie. I like taking a chance, taking a chance on myself, working hard, and then being right about something. That's a really fulfilling feeling. That's amazing. You guys, this was awesome. It was so much fun to have you on. We'll definitely have to do it again. Definitely good insights. Everyone, make sure you check out their pod. You guys have a good the holiday. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the holiday will have already happened. Have a good next holiday in December. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on. You're Thank right. You, next, next week, right? Thanks, my friend. Thanks, appreciate staff. having Thanks, us on. Brad. You guys can find us at uh, on Instagram, Luca Tiger LeBron Podcast, and it's Lucas Tigers and Browns. Oh my, we're on all wherever you find podcasts, you'll find us. Thanks, Brad. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> appreciate it. They are a tag team that cannot be stopped, and they're a tag team that's always welcome on the Hobby Hustle. Had so much fun talking with those guys. Go hit follow on their page. Subscribe to their podcast. If you're not doing that with Stacking Slabs, what are you doing? Make sure you do that, too. Tell a damn friend. Everyone, you rest up. You earned it, man. You, you put enough calories in your, your stomach this week. It's time to relax and enjoy the hobby. Enjoy some hobby content. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back next week. Talk to you soon.